Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. And like I said before, every and every podcast that we do, that you listen to, that you download, that you subscribe to, you can check it out on the multiple platforms. First and foremost, you can check it out here on Blog Talk Radio. All you got to do is go on uh, blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. If you go there, you, uh, even on your uh, mobile, on your phone's uh, browser, or even on the computer, you'll be able to pull up all the podcasts we've done so far, you can pull it up from there straight and simple. I think you can download them there from, from there as well, too. Um, you can check it out there. You can also check it out on your smartphone. If you have an uh, Android, Apple, Windows phone, as long as you got an app store, go to there, uh, search TuneIn Radio, and then from there on TuneIn Radio, once you download TuneIn Radio, uh, search the TSO podcast. Really appreciate everybody that listens to us and follows us uh, over there. Uh, on the pod, on over there on TuneIn Radio, appreciate all the support. And then finally, we're also on iTunes as well. Yes, just go to the, let's go to iTunes, go to the podcast section, uh, search the TSL podcast, hit subscribe, and you'll be able to catch all episodes from there on your Apple device. Just that simple. It's free. You don't have to pay ninety nine cents. It's free. You can do that. Leave us a comment if you have any comments on our show, what we can improve, what do you like, what you don't like. And we'll definitely read them and take into consideration because we're always trying to make this podcast and website better and better. And always, always make sure you follow us on Twitter at Total Sports Live, like the Facebook page, and check out TotalSportsLive.com. A lot of great content about our Philly sports teams and everything else happening in the good old wide world of sports. But on today's show, we're going to talk about some sad news, and we're going to talk about some more sad news. Not a good podcast, depending on depending on the type of fan, depending on the type of fan you are. We're not. We're, we may get to some Flyers and some Sixers as they both won um, one today, convincing and one today against Detroit, beating the city of Detroit. You gotta give a shout out to those two squads getting it done. But we're going to talk about Matt Rule going to Baylor, which shocked the college football world on Tuesday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what his legacy will be at Temple and who should be the next head of the coach for the house. There's a lot of rumors and news swirling around on who could possibly be the new head coach uh, for the Owls. And we're also going to talk about those Eagles. Yes, they lost today, 27-22. I'm not really mad at, that they lost just because they did play better was much better effort, but it just still shows that this team just isn't ready yet, and that's okay when you have a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. So we're going to talk about that, the Sean Jackson, all that good stuff here on the podcast. But before we get started, you already know who I'm always on the podcast with, my co-host, the one and only Angela Montoni. Angela, how are you doing this cold, 
cold, cold December night, and it just gets colder because I feel because our sports teams just make it that way. Yeah, it's freezing, and it's supposed to be like fifty tomorrow. Go figure. I, I that I can't wrap my head around. Um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I'm doing okay because I've got. I'm trying this new thing where I don't let the stupid eagles affect my overall demeanor. Um, but I'm not really doing that well at that. But all things considered, I'm doing. I'm doing quite well. Uh, you know, you know, I've got. I got some good news this week. So, you know, I'm trying to keep everything in perspective that it was just a damn football game, although it really was a very irritating and frustrating one. And uh, let's just get the damn elephant in the room out of the way right now because I know you're waiting to talk about it and you know how I am about these things. But that dirty, dirty hit on Sproles. So I think we should just start with that so we can get that out of the way. <laughs> yes. So we're going to move Matt Rule. We're gonna we're gonna have man the man rule topic. We're gonna to have that bat in second. We're gonna talk about the Eagles bat and lead off here on the podcast. Let's talk about the Eagles lose uh, today, twenty seven twenty two. It was a very interesting game. Carson Wentz, for the most part, I would think you would agree with this. Angela bounced back from his performance last week against Cincinnati. Yes, he had an interception today, but he did have a touchdown, thirty two of forty six. For I want to say 314 yards, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has finally found. We have finally found Zach Ertz over these past few weeks. He is not on the milk carton no more. He had 10 catches for 112 yards. J Matt. J Matt looked pretty good himself, even though he did have an explicable drop and didn't drag his feet. But hey, take it with take it for what it is. Mm, yeah. Eight eight receptions, eight receptions for 79 yards, and Trey Burton. My man Trey Burton, who was like the in, the unsung MVP. If this was arena football, he would be the Iron Man. Because this man not only played offense today and had seven receptions for 65 yards. Not only that, he also was a long snapper because the Eagles lost John Doran Boss. And then Brent Sullivan got hurt. And he had to be the third team long snapper. And he does kick coverage. My man is the unsung MVP. But what everybody's talking about, we're going to talk about Wentz and the team's performance overall. Is the hit on Darren Sproles? I'm gonna say happened in the third quarter, where Darren Sproles, God bless his 33 year old body at his height and weight, just gets obliterated by uh, I, I, I know the last guy's last name is Everett. I don't know what his first name is. Pretty much Everett comes down. You've probably seen it on Twitter, Facebook, Vine, whatever you're seeing. You just see Everett just totally blows up Sproles and Sproles is just laying there and. You see him get up with a bloody mouth and a fight almost ensued, and I pretty much thought that Everett should have been ejected. You don't, you, you don't go after somebody like that. I don't care if you, oh, you no. probably can say, oh, well, he is five foot six. Well, that doesn't matter. You can still go for the body. You still go for the body. You went straight for the head. It, it, it's defenseless. He's, at that point, Darren Sproles is defenseless. He can't do anything. And he just literally gets blown up, and uh, it was mm-hmm. just a very disgusting hit, and it was just, wow. I couldn't believe it. I'm surprised he got up. It was just amazing that he even got up. Yeah. <sighs> well, first of all, the shaver, uh, it is uh, illegal. Yes. Mm, it is illegal to hit a player when they are try- attempting to make a catch. If you hit that the contact comes before the catch is made or as the catch is being made, that is illegal. Then you have to then you throw the helmet to helmet on top of it. 
And Jason Peters said Jason Peters said in post game that he wanted to whoop his ass. But the only reason that he didn't was that he wanted a backup to play his position. And you wanna know what? I wouldn't have been mad at him at that point if he would have whooped his ass and gotten tossed too. So I will say this. The next time, next year, when the first time they play the Redskins next year, um, I don't care who it is. I don't care what member of the Eagles it is. And furthermore, I really don't care what member of the Redskins it is. It doesn't even have to be someone who's on the team this year. It could be someone who's just in the wrong place at the wrong freaking time. The paybacks are a bitch, and someone on that roster needs to get rocks the next time they get the, they, the two teams play each other. You know, I'll give you a little anecdote here. In 1992, Dave Hollins was the, was the um, player in the, in the Major League Baseball who had gotten hit by the most pitches. So when they opened, like when they started spring training in 1993, he went up to all the, the starting pitchers and said something to the effect of, um, I'm your guy and you need to protect me. So if someone goes out there and hits me intentionally, I expect you to drill the next person that gets up to the plate. And if they try to come after you, know that I can make the the, the um the 30 feet from third base to the pitcher's mound to get in front of you before they can make the, the 90 feet from home plate to the pitcher's mound to come after you. All right? It's what you do. So I don't care who it is, and I don't care who does it. But next season, next season when they play the Redskins the next time, someone on that roster needs to get rocked because turn about fair play. Yeah. And you cannot, you cannot be, you cannot be a team. You cannot be a group of your still. I understand like being professional, and I know you know encouraging players to go out and make a dirty hit really isn't probably like the best thing in the world. And I'm probably get hit up on Twitter for being a typical Philly fan after this, but I really don't care. You can tell me about fair play, and if you're going to do it, well, you want to know what you need to know that it's going to get done back to you because it's the only way that 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 message gets sent to to make it not happen. If teams know that you're going to go after them and do the same, that you're going to turn around and do the same thing to them then they're less likely to try to take those kind of cheap shots. And that was absolutely disgusting. And why he was not ejected, I have no clue. He should have been ejected, suspended, and fined. Well, I'm pretty sure he's going to get a. am pretty sure he's going to get a hefty fine. I'm pretty sure he's going to get that suspension. You never know; it could definitely happen. But I know he's going to get a hefty fine. This is not the. This is not the first time an Eagles player has been blown up like this this season. Who can forget the Falcons game where Keanu Neal? laid out Jordan Matthews. And who can forget a couple yeah. of years ago when Chris Baker of Washington laid out Nick Foles in like a almost like a wrestling body slam. So they, I don't know, man. The Eagles have been on Should some be. been on some ends of yep. some bad hits and the players for some reason I need to see a little bit of motion from them. I need to see that they're gonna go out there and kick some ass. I'm just saying. Yeah. You need to hit harder, and you need to let, you need to let you know the, these other teams know that such egregious offenses will not be tolerated. So you do, you yeah, definitely do. That's that is my whole take on that. And trust me, I would love to paint you a colorful picture with words about my feelings on this. However, I'm trying as hard as I can to keep it PG. <laughs> So uh, I believe that. I totally believe with, <laughs> with that being said, um, let's move on. I completely agree with you that Wentz looks a lot better. He played he you know, he played a lot better today. I will say this again because I can't I, I would not be me if I don't have anything to criticize. Um I, I don't like the way he seems to be getting in a habit where he's staring down his receivers. Mm-hmm. He only had one pick today and that's fine. 
you know, then it's not fine. Ideally, you don't want any picks, but could have been a lot worse. I think he's got, I see him getting into a habit where he stares down his receivers, and that's not a good habit to get into because, you know, once other teams start to pick up, like he stares down the receiver he's going to throw to, they know where, they know where to shift the coverage. And it happened to, um, you know, that you got a bad happen to Michael Vick a lot. That was why Michael Vick got picked off so many times because that was one of the things, that was a bad habit that he had. He stared down his receiver before he made the team through the pass. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I was I was overall I was happy with what I saw for once today. You know, I mean it's three hundred and fourteen yards is really like that's not a that's not a slouch game. So but I, I, I No, especially when, needs, especially someone, because yeah. they were able to go down the field a few times too. Mhm. So someone, you know, needs to just pull him in and show him some tape and be like, see, see Carson, see you're doing this, like, see where you're looking. You you, you can't be staring right at him when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will also say that interception in the end zone, from the one camera angle they showed it, it didn't really look like there was full control of the ball when the guy went down. I mean, that's like, I guess that's like an opinion. The booth review said that the call stood. Um, I don't know, the one angle I saw, it looked like, you know, his one arm was around it, but the other, his other arm, when it was underneath of it, it wasn't really underneath as he came down. However, the call stood, but, you know, it, it did look a little, it did look a little dicey. It could have gone either way. Um, so, but again, I mean, it's, it wasn't a really bad, it wasn't a bad performance by him. There's just, you know, and he's a young quarterback. He's a rookie quarterback. There's going to be things that he's going to need to work on. And, I do, and, and you know, staring down your receiver is not a problem that can't be fixed. It could be a lot mm-hmm. worse. We're not, talking, we're not talking about mechanics. We're not talking about talent. We're talking about a mental mistake that, that can easily be rectified. No, you're right about that, no doubt. And one play that comes to mind, of staring your receiver down um, was when they when they went for the two point conversion and they're running a slant route and Wentz is just staring Jordan Matthews down while Josh Norman is like I'm reading Carson's eyes the entire way on the slant route. So that's one thing, like you said, for a rookie he has to get better at because he can get away with you can get away with staring down your wide receivers in college. You can get away with that even in preseason. Can't get away with that in regular season, especially when you go up against top-notch cornerbacks who will make you pay. They will make you pay for staring you for staring your wide receiver down. They will find you and say, "Oh, really? You want to stare me down? Okay, I'm going to read exactly what you're doing." And like you said, overall, Wentz was much better than he was in than he was in um, in Cincinnati. The entire team was a little bit better than they were against Cincinnati. Did it did it suck that the way that they lost? Does it suck that the, that the way that they lost kind of was bad? Yeah, totally. I mean, shoot, they're driving down the field. You're thinking, oh, my God, this Eagles team who's been playing really bad football since the bye. Can we – I think we can pretty much say they've been playing horrible football since they came off that bye week. Horrible football. And that bye week was, what, week four? Week four. And they've been mm-hmm. playing bad football. And they finally think, oh, my God. Like, they're like, okay, they're actually doing something. Like, once they're right. engineering a two-minute drill down the field, like, holy crap, are they about to do it? And Matthews is making catches. And Ertz, you know, he's looking physical, you know, dragging people along with him. And even Nelson Aguilar had a couple of good catches in this game. And, you know, 
play with a different ferocity out there. And it came to be true when Wentz got blown up and sacked and fumbled the ball away. It was a, uh, it was no, it was no, it was no way to be true. It's not good. And I pretty much, when I saw the interception, I said, uh, when I saw that fumble at the end of the game, I said, that's pretty much a microcosm of the Eagles season right there. Between that and Nolan Carroll getting uh, a little buoyed by um by um what's his name Pierre Garcon for a touchdown and seeing Jalen Mills get beat again and seeing Leotis McKelvin get beat again by Deshaun Jackson even though McKelvin did have a nice pick six it's just a lot of things in this game just reminds me of what this season could have been Angela and what it actually is. Uh, yeah, I know, but you hear this come from my mouth all the time. If I had wheels, I'd be a wagon. I, I think we're just past this point where it's like, yeah, yeah, the, the show's over. There is no hope for the playoffs. And at this point, I'm we're just not interested Kurt, in seeing, We're not Kurt. We're not him. No. We're not. I'm just interested in seeing what they have, what they can do, mm-hmm. how they conduct themselves knowing right. that they're fighting a losing battle, essentially. Uh, exactly. You know, because I think that that shows, that shows mental strength. You see the Sixers go through it every single day. So yep. I want to see some kind of mental toughness. And you want to know what? I want to see him get pissed. And maybe that hit on Sproles. Maybe they'll come out and they'll play a test next week. Who knows? Um, but eventually you get tired of losing. But I want to I see what they have. I wanted, you know, now it's time, you know, you got you got guys that are on the bench running out there, see what the hell they can do. You know, I, I don't think that there, I don't think there's really, honestly, there's there's not many people on that roster whose job is safe. So. No. And, you know, my Christmas wish list for the Eagles is too damn long to accomplish in one draft. So, you know, we could be sitting here having this conversation uh, next season at this time. Because you think about it, they need some wide yeah. they definitely need some wide receiver they need some wide receiver help. I, I don't care. Um, you know, no doesn't matter how many great games that I go up and I didn't really have a great game for like at all. Not at all. But you know, it doesn't matter. Like you they need wide receiver help. That's first off and foremost. I think that that's the one thing that we can take away from the season that their wide receiver core is um I don't really want to say abysmal, but I guess that's the word I'm gonna roll with. Um yeah. they need help they need help at cornerback. They need a cornerback. They mm-hmm. need offense. They need offenses. To be honest with you, right? They need two, but if they have one really good one, they can be a little bit weak on the one side. They, you know, and I don't think yep. they'll be able to get two really good ones in one draft. So baby steps. No. So we need we need we need at least one. Um, they need O line help because you'll never know what Carson Wentz can actually do unless he gets some damn protection. And he does you no good mm-hmm. if he's getting injured, or he does you no good if he's injured and he can't play. <clears throat> Um, they need a new center. I'm sorry. They need a new center. Kelsey's trash. Kelsey is absolute yeah. garbage. He had one. He had one good year that everybody has been riding. It, he needs to go. You know. I don't. I don't really have much more to elaborate on that. He, like I said, he had one good year that everyone has been riding on. He is garbage. Like he's. He's got to go. I. I could go into it more, but I don't. Like, I think it's just suffice to say that. Uh. I don't understand what's going on with the D-line. Why has Connor Barwin been missing in action? Um, so, oh, let's see. I said wide receiver, cornerback, center, O-line, you know, need some D-line help. And to be honest with you, 
business is not really it has anything to do with you know on the field. They need someone who's an emotional leader in the locker room. They need someone. Mm-hmm. They need a they need a teammate that is going to hold the other teammates accountable for things that happen in the game. You know, right. in the in the, the early two thousands, you know. Everyone on that Eagles roster, uh, maybe scared might not be the best word, but definitely at least had a healthy fear of Brian Dawkins. Because Dawkins, Trotter. Right, Dawkins, Trotter, even even Ike Reese would get in on it, but Ike Reese, you're a special teams player. I mean, I appreciate your your gumption, but it it meant more coming from from those two than it did from you, dude. but you need someone who's an emotional te- emotional leader who's going to hold the teammates accountable because, you know, there was, there was definitely a healthy fear in the locker room of Dawkins and of Trotter because they didn't mince any words. They were still your, they were still your friends at the end of the day, but if you messed up on the field, they were going to tell you that you messed up when you got in the locker room, and they were going to hold you accountable for it, not only because they were leaders, but because they were professionals, and they knew that they were getting paid mm-hmm. millions of dollars to play a game. So you know what? You should at least play your position right if you're getting paid all that money to do that. So that's the big. That's no like, and I think that's the num. That's the number one thing that they need. Whether you find that somewhere in in free agency, because you're not going to draft someone who's going to come in and you know start telling all these people that have been in the league X amount of years what's what. Um, that like I I don't know where that comes from. I, I don't maybe you know, maybe Carson Wentz gets a little bit of his sea legs under him and he steps up and starts doing that next year, but at the same time, you know, you don't know. Like, it'll be the kid's second year in the league. How do you know that there are maybe people in the locker room? Like, oh, shut up, Carson. This is your second year in the league. Uh, right. They need, they, they need a leader in the locker room. That's And I would rank that above any of, you know, the specific positions. Uh, they, they need that absolutely. You know, they need that before they need a stud wide receiver. They need that before they need a cornerback. They need that before they need all the other positions that they freaking listed. That's their biggest need. And it doesn't matter where it comes from, but it needs to exist because there needs to be someone who's going to come after – there needs to be someone in the locker room who's going to come after them and be like, yo, dude, you really messed that play up and you could have caught that ball and you just took your eyes off it. Or, or like for the stupid crap that some of the wide receivers do, like my favorite is always running before you actually catch the ball, getting one step ahead of yourself and not making sure you catch the ball before you take off. Mm-hmm. So – you know, that would be my Eagles wish list. Like I said, it's way too long to accomplish in one draft. And um, I don't even necessarily uh, – what they're where they stand in terms of cap space escapes me right now. So I don't really even know how much wiggle room they have with free agency. And then there's talk like, you know, yeah, it, 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 there's talk about Deshaun Jackson, which has been the hot name on the wide receiver free agency. I think uh, Alshon Jeffrey's going to be a free agent too, and we keep talking about them. But it's like, hmm, well, how much money does, do the Eagles really have to spend in free agency? Like, what's their cap situation like? No, that's right. And I think you pretty much you pretty much just laid it all out there, and it's true. You know, sometimes I think the team's leader is Malcolm Jenkins, but then I don't know. Because then you have players get all offended because of what Doug Peterson said and basically calling them out. And I'm like, I understand, you know, because you can point the finger at Doug and be like, well, you should have called a better game. But then you point the feet, says, oh, my players didn't show no effort out there. Oh, players get all offended and, oh, I can't believe it. And then you have some people in the biased Philadelphia media 
that are trying to, you know, ride home the whole Doug Peterson should be fired articles and 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 mess like that and I can't even get on that. We'll we'll have, we'll just wait to get on that. But I'm glad we'll, you we'll save that for after the season. We're we'll save that talk for after the season is over when we have a full season to completely look over and 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 reflect on. As far as the little players right. getting offended thing, as far as the players getting offended thing because they're called on the carpet because of stupid mistakes they made. Um, you want to know what? In the immortal words of George Carlin. Nobody hears those character-building words anymore. You lost, Johnny. You're a loser. And maybe That's it's because this whole friggin' it's the, you know this maybe this is what happens in adulthood with this participation trophy uh, culture. I'm not saying it's for all yeah. of them, but you gotta understand you gotta understand the age demo of some of the the players in the team. Some of them are early twenties that were young when this whole when. This shenaniganry, that's not even a word. I just made it up. Feel free to use it, people. Uh, started. So, you know, no, they don't hear. How can you get offended when you're being called for something that you did or didn't do, depending on the situation? Again, no one, they, you know, you don't hear those character building words anymore. You don't know what it's like to admit that you're lost. You don't know what it's like to be like, yeah, man, I sucked this game. What can I do better next time? So they need to stop getting so damn offended when they're getting, you know, said something for not dragging both of your feet when you could catch a touchdown, for not making sure that you have the damn ball before you turn and start to run or missing a block, missing a tackle, whiffing a tackle, reading the coverage wrong when it's right out in front of you. No, These are things I, that you need to accept responsibility you. for. You accept responsibility for and say, yeah, I messed up. I'm going to try. I'm going to watch the tape, and I'm going to try to make it better next game, and that's the thing. You know, when it comes from a coach, I can understand where it's kind of like teachers yelling at me. That's why you need someone who's on the roster who's a peer that can talk some sense and, and, and rip some sense into them. And while I agree with you that Malcolm Jenkins could be the leader, he just isn't – I don't think he has that, like, fiery personality where he gets that pissed, like Trotter yeah. and Dawkins used to get pissed. That's the thing. You need someone that has a little bit of an anger issue. Not that they two of them had anger issues, but I don't know. I was never in the locker room when they blew up on the rest of the team, and neither were you. I mean, they could have had some anger issues coming out of them. That's how they channeled them. They could have been. They could have been. And like you say, you got to have somebody there to call them out there and call them out. And, you know, like I said, you know, people, you know, nitpicking about Peterson calling out players and some people in the media, you know, egging this on and, you know, writing their clickbait hot take stories and whole questions. Anything for likes and shares. Anything for likes and shares. Yeah. No one writes with no one writes what they want to write. No one writes the truth anymore. They write what they think people want to read. Because if you go, because if you ever, have you ever watched, because yep, if you've ever watched Network, you know that the, that was the whole message in Network. Entertainment sells more than actual news does, and Network was never meant to be a documentary. But broadly gestures at everything. Here we are. Okay, work this. It'll work this election season. Fake news was a. Mm. Oh God, no! But listen, we already we we already had our intersecting politics and and life and and, and such podcasts. And let's not bring that up again. <laughs> I mean, this, I don't want to throw that on top of the dumpster fire because we still do have to get to Matt Rule uh, with the 16 minutes that we have left. And you and I are are in a little bit of a disagreement about that situation. A healthy disagreement, a healthy disagreement. And yes, before yes. We talk, before we talk about that, let's talk about this, Sean, because 
past couple of weeks, even earlier this evening, you know, the rumors are starting to fly that, you know what, there's some mutual love between both sides saying, you know what, I might want to come back here and play. You never know. I might want to come back here and play. And I think it's a real logical thing that he might be able to play, that he might come back here because Washington still has to pay Kirk Cousins. He still has to pay Pierre Garçon. How you fit Deshaun Jackson in that equation is tough, especially when they do have two young wide receivers and Jameson Crowley, who's more of a slot guy, but they do have a first-round pick who they just drafted this year, and Josh Doxson, who hasn't really played this season, but they could technically move on without Deshaun. And they're the, I want to say, majority of Eagles fans, which is so preposterous to me at this point, majority of Eagles fans do not want Deshaun Jackson back. And it's so mind-boggling to me because um, I just don't get it. Look at look at this wide receiver court currently and tell me that Deshaun Jackson, just by his presence, doesn't upgrade this wide receiver court. But then you'll hear people, but then you'll hear people say, uh, you know, you'll hear people say, well, Deshaun's going to be thirty-one. He's going to be thirty-one next season in December. Yes, he'll be thirty-one in December of two thousand seventeen. He'll still be 30. He's still in pretty good shape. I mean, how many times that he's in a, in, a, in, a, in a Washington uniform have he burnt us for, you know, a long touchdown or a 100-something receiving yard? He's been doing damage against us. And I just don't understand, and there are so many people against having Deshaun Jackson back. They're against him having him back because they think that they'll be able to pry Alshon Jeffrey and try to pay him, or even a more of a pipe dream. Let's see if we can get Terrell Pryor out of Cleveland. No way Cleveland's letting Terrell Pryor walk out that door. No, and it's probably no gamble. Chicago let Alshon Jeffrey walk. Cleveland, especially not with not sitting on two first round picks next year, they're probably going to get the number one pick, and they're going to have our pick. And the way it's looking right now, our pick's going to be pretty high as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. get that get that play frame out of your head. So why do the majority of Eagles fans not want Deshaun Jackson back? Because his house got robbed? Because he had some questionable friends? Uh, bad arithmetic? They can't, like, see the math and the writing on the wall, like what his numbers actually are? You know, what, what, why do they not want him back? Age? Okay, guess what? I'm 31. I'm not exactly fart and dust. I understand I'm not a professional athlete, but it's not as old as people make it out today. <laughs> All right. And, you know, he has experience, and he still is fast. Yeah, he's little, and I get that, but he's still a speed receiver. There's a, there's a very specific kind of receiver. There's a very specific kind of receiver that the Eagles have never, you know, not not really had uh, since T.O., where they haven't had a, a kind of receiver who's tall and has like the vertical leap and extension, and that's the thing. Like one of those receivers, they don't come around a lot. A lot. That's one of those kind of receivers that you have to get in the draft, or you have to find one of them who has befallen on or has had unfortunate circumstances befallen on them, and just be dumb luck and be the only one willing to give them a chance. I've said it on the podcast before. You know. Whatever's going on, if Dustin Blackman's suspension ever gets lifted, and if he has been, you know, keeping in shape and wanting to get back into the league, I or don't necessarily Gordon. say hey. right. I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily say sign him, but at least like why sign him to practice squad and see what he could do because Dustin Blackman had the vertical leap and extension very similar to Megatron's. So, mm-hmm. but 
if that's not what our if that's not one of our options, you have to look at what your options are. Yeah, the whole pipe dream of being able to pry Alshon Jeffrey out of out of Chicago. I mean, I don't necessarily know if he's happy there, but I think he's going to be a situation with who's got the most money, who can throw the most money at them. And from what I have seen today, um, on after like watching a, a sports night, they had a clip from before the game where Deshaun Jackson went up to a couple of guys who were working the crew on the field and said hi and hugged them and asked them what they were doing. And the one guy said, hey, you coming home next next season? And he was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. He obviously still loves this city. It's, 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 right. It's it's not it's not it's not it's not it's not you know it's not like oh he hates the city no he loves the city this is the team that drafted him that gave him a chance and like you said mm-hmm. he he completes his wide receiver court we see in that one season what he did without no Jeremy Macklin he was the one that got Riley Cooper that contract let's not let's let's not get it twisted he was the well, one yeah, that got Riley Cooper was, that, that contract because he was drawing the double coverage. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think people understand that, Angela. I don't think they understand that. Yes, Deshaun Jackson might be a one-trick pony, but that one-trick pony can get me uh, an 80-yard touchdown, 100 receiving yards mm-hmm. a couple of games here and there, a touchdown. He can drag that double coverage to open up the field for a guy like Jordan Matthews and Doriel right. Green Beckham running them spouts and running those uh, routes across the field. He can do that type of stuff and help this team. So I don't get the notion of just because he's 31 years old or he's going to be 31 in December 2017, you know, it's now worth bringing him back. I mean, shoot, what else are you going to do? You want to draft kids and say, oh, go do it? Um, Yeah, and he's got the benefit of experience because it's, you know, he's been in the league for a while. And, you know, maybe that he can he can definitely teach a couple of, re- some of these receivers a thing or two. So, I don't, you know, while I'm not like, I'm not saying like, yeah, let's do it. Let's sign league. him right now. Um, I, I, not, I don't see what's really wrong with the move to make, you know, this kind of like, ah, this kind of uproar about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean I don't know I'd be open to it I'm not like I'm not like completely saying like yeah it's a make or break move but I mean I'd be open with it I'd be open to it I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it and like you said he's got love for the city he's got love for the organization so that's the kind of player right. that he wants Chip to be here no the more. organization oh yeah Chip ain't here no more and he was here when Doug was here as the quarterbacks coach he was here right so he knows how he knows how things are being ran here and. I think it'd be a perfect thing. I think it'd be a perfect match. You sign to a two-year contract, three-year contract for what? Thirty million? That's only ten million a year for a guy that's a yeah. one-trick pony. Uh, I think I think one-trick ponies are still needed in the NFL. I mean, uh, oh, look what Tag and Junior are still doing with with Carolina. Hey, hey touchdowns are needed just a in the NFL. Pony. Touchdowns are needed in the NFL, so you need someone to get you one of those yep. or a couple of them every now and then. So. <laughs> I guess we'll find out how that works out. We sure will, and let's move on to our final topic of the night. And the college football world sent there was shockwaves sent to the college football world earlier this week, earlier this past week on Tuesday, as the Baylor Bears hired Temple head coach Matt Rule to be their new head guy. Now, 
This is a, this is an interesting move because they caught everybody off guard. They're like, wow. Temple's moving up in the world. That their coaches are getting poached by, by, by power five schools, and it's amazing to see this. And you got to give Matt all the credit for making this move. You know, but I think any of us was in this position and a job, you know, you all would probably jump at the opportunity. I'm pretty sure he's getting paid. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's getting paid a little bit more at uh, Barely University. But me, as y'all know, me and Angel have different opinions on this, but. We are very, uh, it's a healthy disagreement, very healthy disagreement. Not like one of those, like, disagreements you see on Facebook about politics. This is a very healthy, uh, very healthy disagreement we have. And I want to pose a question to you, Angela. What do you think Matt Bull's legacy at Temple will be? Because he did take the team from 2-10 and 10 to an AAC championship. So he brought the school to the mountaintop. Yeah, while that's true, um, I don't know. I just see something a little bit uh, duplicitous about getting behind the podium um, even so close as a couple weeks before and preaching about how much he loves the program and loves the school and loves the city and then turns around and does this. Did he move on to a greener pasture? Uh, that's debatable. I think debatable would be a, a good way to put it. Um, I mean, I, honest to God, just my whole thing is I really don't see him as any, I don't see a real, I don't see a real like harsh difference between him and, and what Steve Adavio did while he took them to the AAC title and I loved him while he was our coach. You know, he left, he put four coaches with him. Um, some people said it was kind of an unfair assessment, but I don't know. I can't I can't think of anything other than the word traitor and traitor for nothing more than preaching loyalty to the school and and yeah, he did great things, and uh, you know, honestly, like with this kind of attitude that you know you can go to a, a bigger conference and do this and that. Uh, Temple will never be more than a stepping stone school for a coach with that kind of attitude. So, and that kind of really hurts me because yeah, we've never really been known as a football school, but you know, it was a great two. It's been a great two years. It's been a great like, few years, but. You know, that doesn't make, like, an elite program. Like, you need to sustain that. So I hope that they can. But if you look the, the, the AAC is actually a pretty decent uh, conference if you, look at, if you look at the numbers. Uh, it's actually yeah, a pretty decent wise. conference. If you look pretty at the good. numbers, you have to, they, had, they had two 10-win teams, uh, three 9-win teams, a 8-4 Memphis, or, yeah, 8-4 eight and four, uh, eight and four Memphis team with, the Paxton Lynch. So, I mean, if you look at the trajectory of the AAC, they're only going to get stronger. So I don't necessarily, and, and it is the sixth biggest conference in the country. So, yeah, to say a power five school, well, all right, well, AAC is the number six conference. So it's not like, you know, you're talking about, like, it's not like you're talking about, you know, Division two or anything like that. And it's just, I, it's it's disappointing. It's very, very disappointing. Maybe at one point I'll be able to get over my disappointment and, you know, I'll, I'll be able to cheer for Baylor. I just don't understand why he would go there and inherit that mess that, that is um, going on there at the moment, what was left behind by Griles. Uh, 
but to each their own, I guess. It, it kills me to see him in green. Uh, I hate it. The only kind of green I would have wanted to see him in is Eagle's green, not that nasty, nasty, you know, pureed broccoli Baylor green, but <laughs> such is life. And I just say find, a, you know, a decent replacement that can, can still, you know, can... The program is where it is right now, and it's a pretty good situation for anyone who comes in to inherit. So I just hope they pick the right person for it. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be the best person on paper, but it has to be the right person for it. And furthermore, I want to see them pick somebody who's going to stick around. Well, so maybe maybe, maybe look, to the, look for an alum. Look for an alum that could do it, because maybe an alum would at least stick around. You have a point in sticking around, but I think just the times that we live in, it's going to be hard to stick around when a big opportunity comes. I think that's just that's just not in sports, but I just think that's in life in general. When we all approach certain things in life, and it's like, is this better for me now? Will this opportunity ever come for me now? Will it ever happen to me again to get this opportunity? And like I said before, Matt Rule was getting interest from Missouri at the time last season and he didn't take it, and he put this one in. Like I said, it's tough. This is definitely tough. I don't see him as a traitor so much because he did. He did. He helped make Temple football relevant in the city. And for if you're a booster or whatever, AD, you've got to be proud of that, that he helped the footprint in Philly sports with Temple football. Everybody in the Philadelphia area was being Penn State fans. He's now built that. He he's now built and left that niche with fans that are now Temple football fans. And you and, and you got to be you know happy about that if you're an alum or whatever. He made a footprint and he and he you know and he and he and he's built something. And now it's up to the next person to come in and build it. It's almost like how I say when it's Sam Hankey when he when he was behind or left or whatever. He was oh, they beat him leave. The, yeah, 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 they did. They, they made him leave, but yeah, it, it, it's different. But he was here to get it to this part, and now it was needed somebody else to take it to the next level. Matt Wool mm-hmm. has gotten Temple to a point where now whoever comes in next, the the stakes are going to be high for them because mm-hmm. it just won't be okay. You come in, you get seven, get six months is good. No, 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 no. You come in, it's now going to be you have to get eight wins. You have to get nine wins. you got to get us to the title game again and again and again. And that's fine. Right. So you got to give Matt Bull credit for that. Um, coaches who are looking at, they were looking at Charlie Strong, but Strong obviously did the job at South Florida. South Florida lost their coach, Willie Taggart, to Oregon. So Charlie Strong is off the board. There's a, there's a story about that um, the players want Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, to be the head to be the head coach. That would that would be fine because that's keeping it in the coaching staff that was there. I don't think Wool took him yet because maybe Snow is trying to decide what he wants yeah. to do if he wants to stay in the job. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, they also reached out to the Eagles apparently too. They also reached out to the Eagles apparently. Um, Temple did speak with Eagles quarterback quarterbacks coach Joe D. Filippo about Ooh. the head coaching position. Yeah, Ooh. they talked to him. They talked to him. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but they did talk to him. So that's another name to keep their eye out on. 
and that could probably help him too because he's a young guy. He's a young guy. I think he's like 38, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's 38. So if you want to think of a person, Angela, that fits the mold of they can stay for a while, he can be the one that they possibly grab because he's not so old. That young looking to build his footprint as a coach, build it up again, and stay for a long time so he could be an option. So those are the two names that are floating around. I didn't read any more about that. So, I like you know, the latter. It could be. It could be. I, I don't put it I don't put it past that. I think I think Filippo D Filippo would be a good option, obviously, because he's been a quarterback coach in the NFL, Cleveland now with Carson Wentz and the Eagles and you know he's hanged around Doug Pierce and hanging around Frank Wright, who are Frank Wright's been offensive coordinator and NFL quarterback, keeps the NFL quarterback, offensive coordinator now head coach, you know. He's been around He's heard a lot, and maybe this is an opportunity that he's been looking for. And then, hey, it's right back in his backyard because D. Flippo is from this area, too. So, right in this area. So, hey, you never know. You never know uh, what could happen um, with this. And um, to wrap up, uh, the Giants beat the Cowboys tonight. Uh, it was an ugly game. Eli Manning did not look good. Odell Beckham Jr. once again saved Eli. Prescott looked like a rookie tonight. He showed little uh he showed little glimpses of him being a rookie uh tonight. He is human after that. all. Yeah. Hey, hey, say hey, say that to the Eagles fans that 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 that, that get mad when Cowboys fans talk trash and say, Yeah, we got Dad Prescott, y'all got Carson Wentz. <laughs> Dak is better than Carson. I'm just saying. On that, I'm just saying on that note. And you got that, and um, Flyers they won nine, they have won nine straight games. The Sixers beat the Pistons tonight. Nerlens Noel made his return back to the NBA, back to the NBA uh, hardwoods. So that was good to see. Villanova they survived beating Notre Dame this weekend. Uh, they are now still number one in the nation. So, all in all. It was a pretty good end of the sports week in Philadelphia sports. That's pretty good. It was a pretty good ending. Not so much for the Eagles, but hey, like you said, Angela, at least they showed some kind of emotion in heart during the last three weeks, and we got something to look forward to in 2017. That's all you can hope for. Yeah, future's bright. It, it'll it, it will it'll get better. I mean, you know, in some instances, it might get worse. It might get worse before it gets better, but. It can't be all doom, doom and gloom and negativity all the time. I mean, we have things that, you know, we can look forward to and know that they'll work out at some point very soon. So we just have to try as hard as yeah. we can to stay positive, although that goes against our complete nature as silly fans, you know, staying positive and all. Yeah, it goes against the whole Negadelphia, right? It goes, it goes, mm-hmm. it goes, it goes, it goes totally against Negadelphia. But hey, we're trying to make it Philadelphia. That only makes sense, right? But whatever, make it Philadelphia. Yeah. And hopefully we. Well, hopefully on that note, now, now that we're inventing words, I think there have been like what four of them that we've invented on this last show tonight. What? What do we? <laughs> what? What is it? Philadelphia. Uh, I definitely oh, pulled yeah. out Shenan. Shenaniganry, which is like a G, which is like a G-rated version of saying effery. Uh, <laughs> Shenaniganry. <laughs> Shenaniganry. Way too many syllables. Shenaniganry. Yes. Yeah. Say that ten times. Shenaniganry. Yeah. That's yeah. 
That's like five or six syllables right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you tongue twisted? Don't use that. Don't use that word in none of your in none of your yeah, I, kids or stories or whatever. Yeah. Don't do it. I I made it up and I don't support it. <laughs> we do not endorse this message. But hey, we don't endorse this message. And we also don't mess with Russia, but hey, so does the Donald. But that's going to wrap up the show tonight. Um, have a great, great rest of your week. We'll talk to everybody soon. And I said at the end of, at the beginning of the show, make sure you check out Total Sports Live Podcast, excuse me, on blogtalkradio.com, um, TuneIn Radio, iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Jovante. And follow Angela on Twitter at AngelMyTone. And follow Total Sports Live on Twitter at Total Sports Live. Like the Facebook page and check out TotalSportsLive.com. For all the great content that's happening in Philadelphia sports, Matt has Eagles Weekly re- his Eagles Weekly recap up there. Um, he has a recap from today's game up there as well. We had some stuff up there about Temple this past week with Vavul being hired by Baylor, Charlie Strong, interest with that, obviously, like I said, went to South Florida. And we'll just keep on bringing you news and stuff as we get it and we go. Uh, go along here on the podcast. But that's going to wrap it up for me and Angela. Everyone has a great one. Stay warm out there, even though it's only 50, apparently. So, I mean, it's just weird. Stay warm. Don't start taking off all your clothes and stuff, because that's how you get sick, and we don't want that. Everybody stay warm out there. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you guys next week. And hopefully, I keep on saying this, hopefully we'll be talking about the Eagles victory next week, but shoot. Who knows at this point? I don't put nothing past them (laughs) at this time. So for me and Angela, everybody have a great night, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everyone.